Welcome to Critical Value, the podcast from the Urban Institute that explores issues of significance for research, policy, and people. I'm your host, Justin Milner. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about teaching children the importance of giving back. Nearly a year into the pandemic, or approximately 220 years in what it actually feels like time, the concept of giving has been highly salient for so many of us. I mean, we know how important charitable giving is in the U.S. Americans as individuals gave something like $310 billion in 2019, and there's a lot of research trying to figure out why people give and trying to get them to give more. But one important part of that is figuring out how giving becomes a habit or a norm or a part of one's character or personality. And you can't answer that without delving into how we learn about charitable giving as kids. On our journey today, we'll have three fantastic voices to guide us, starting with one of my absolute favorite colleagues here at Urban. Sheena, you ready? We're ready. Let's do it. I am Sheena Ashley, and I am the vice president at the Center on Nonprofits and Philanthropy at the Urban Institute. Sheena is going to set the stage for our exploration into giving. And I started out by asking Sheena a big old question, like, what's up with giving? Why does giving really matter? Wow, that's a huge question. Why does giving matter? To me, you know, the it goes back to the whole definition of philanthropy, right? That it is this kind of connection, the love of mankind is what we define as philanthropy. And to me, giving is an expression of the the love, care, and concern that you have for all of the humanity and the resources that guide humanity. It is one way in which we are able to express the generosity that we have. And it has benefits that go toward the people who are the recipients of that generosity, but also return benefits to people. Sheena makes the case that giving is an essential part of who we are as members of society. It's the basis of how we interact as human beings. Giving is a part of that, the glow that we get as humans, this idea that we can be of service, that we can give of ourselves and our resources to benefit someone other than ourselves and in turn benefit ourselves with the the glow, the feelings of doing well and doing good and making a contribution that comes with that. So to me, giving is the basis of who we are as people. Tina says our childhood experiences of charitable giving determines how we view giving as we grow older. So it, my perception of this is everyone is a philanthropist, right? It's, and I don't even think about this distinction that others do in terms of wealth holders or people being philanthropists and then the everyday people are givers as something that is distinct. I really do apply the label of philanthropist to all. And I think it's important for children to learn and see themselves as philanthropists from an early age because it really instills those values of caring for others making sure that you can give the sort of essential values that we want to make sure that we give to them to being good citizens. It is another way in which we say publicly the things we care about. Sheena learned a lot about giving from her own childhood. She grew up going to a church which encouraged members to give through tithes and offerings. When I grew up, I saw the offering plate come by several times on Sunday and even on Wednesday. And so I knew 
you put money in the offering and that's the benevolent offering to help the sick and poor. And then you were giving more of the mutual aid type offering that was going to help build the institution on the next one. And there was such ceremony around that giving when you got up and stood up and walked around the church to put your money in the offering plate. It was a celebration of that giving. Everybody felt encouraged as givers, making a contribution. It is so baked in my DNA to the extent that it shaped the way that I became a scholar of philanthropy. Her second expert was also profoundly affected by her experiences as a kid. I grew up in a family where my parents have fostered for, well, over 40 years now. And so growing up alongside foster children who are coming from very different backgrounds, very different walks of life, I learned very quickly from a very young age how important it was to develop empathy, concern and support for others who may not have been so privileged as as I was in life. Alison Boddy is a lecturer in philanthropic studies at the University of Kent. She's been working in children's charities in the UK for almost 20 years. And like Sheena, she conducts research on the topic of children and giving. She's found that adults often engage kids in charitable activities, sure, but also often skip the step of really engaging kids and why they're doing what they're doing. We researched with 150 young children about their experiences of charity. And all of those children had engaged in charity and they could recollect ideas of when they of, of activities they'd taken part in um, and fundraising events that they could do. But less than 20% of those children could recollect why they had taken part in that fundraising um, and, and what the cause was that they were fundraising for. Without that meaningful engagement, it becomes more problematic how we're engaging children in charity because we begin to teach charity as a transactional act. Does that sound familiar at all? Maybe we're asking kids to sell the most cookies or dress up in silly clothes to raise funds for a cause rather than diving into what the whole exercise is really about. So research suggests that actually children are naturally very altruistic and they they are naturally engaged in, in caring for others and compassionate behaviours. And we've got a lot of studies that show that from when they're as young as 18 months, two years old. So from really kind of young behaviours. But actually, the transactional natures that we can sometimes teach through encouraging, giving for reward, can override those intrinsic behaviours. And so almost we're, we're undoing that altruism at times. Many times those activities happen at school, but it's also clear that parents have a significant influence on children's attitudes and behaviours towards giving. Allison's research shows that when parents do not give regularly to charity, children are about 10% less likely to give to charity as they grow older. About 75% of parents give, yet less than 25% of children were aware of their parents giving. So whilst giving does take place in the home, it's not always, vis- it's not always visible to the children and the children aren't all in- always engaged in that. In retrospect, Sheena understands that dynamic from back in the day and sees how things are different now. No one ever sat me down and had to talk with me about how to be a giver or how to be a philanthropist because it was visible to me in everything that you did. Was Those visible moments aren't there anymore, right? There isn't a sense where my sons get to see me actually give because I'm doing it online. <laughs> I'm Venmoing things to folks. Right. I'm not sitting down writing a check to a call. So he's not getting a a good sense that mama's a giver and this is what you do. As you know, there's been tremendous growth in online giving with new digital platforms like GoFundMe or PayPal and Facebook campaigns. 
They're all changing the way we give. My mom took me to go feed the homeless with her on Saturdays as part of the women's ministry. I'm not doing that with my son. And so how then will he learn that when it's not experiential like it was for me? I don't know how to teach my children, but I know what I won't do is frame it in a way in which you're giving to those who are less fortunate or, you know, finding those people in need and giving to them. To me, we are all in need. Allison's research speaks to the importance of that framing as well. What we were concerned about was that you almost created, you, you created a stigma around charity for children as well. We create the idea of the other for children when we talk about charity. So we're fundraising for someone who's poorer than us, rather than identifying that actually within most schools, within most communities, most people have a dual role. They might fundraise or support charity, but they're quite often beneficiaries of charity as well. There's a lot that really taps into pity. And so this whole idea of getting past that pity is not a productive component of getting kids involved in giving and actually sets them up to see the world in a bit of a hierarchical way, which isn't productive either. That's Amy Negebauer, the executive director and founder of The Giving Square. Amy's thinking a lot about this core question of how to engage kids in giving in a more dynamic way. There were so many examples where we were teaching kids to do lemonade stands to raise money for X organization. And what I really saw missing from this equation was kids understanding why they were doing this. There was a superficial kind of action, a real focus around doing something, making cards, collecting collecting food, raising money. But it wasn't about why are we doing this? Why does society need me to play a role? And what are the issues behind all of this? Amy's organization is really trying to move beyond the transaction to the broader goals of change. The Giving Square is an organization that's really trying to change the narrative around the role that children can play in their own communities and society in general. So our work is really about demonstrating that children with the right nurturing support and validation can really become authentic civic actors. Her work focuses on third through fifth graders. She says the research shows that if kids are engaged before the age of 10, they're twice as likely to engage in a life of service. This age range of 8 to 12 is critically important because this is when we really need to be reinforcing empathy. So the things that kids naturally are good at, seeing injustice, fluid thinking, empathy, all of the, they can lose all of this, like concern for the world. So the more that we can validate it when it's at its highest and just ensure that that's who people are for the duration, this is a critical moment for that. Our research shows that if empathy rates start to decline, if not nurtured, starting at this age. The Giving Square leads a string of eight 45-minute sessions with up to 30 kids. Amy and her team teach about the importance of giving while making the experience more relevant through games and other interactive activities. And the sessions culminate in kids giving away $1,000 to a child-serving nonprofit in their community. We want them to advocate for a nonprofit that they might care about. So start connecting their own areas of concern to great local-serving local nonprofits. 
And then we do it like a March Madness style. So we do a bracket where kids come and share the one or two nonprofits that they think should get the $1,000. And through this process, you see it becoming more and more personal. And by the second, third round of deliberation, kids are really sharing their story as why this means something to them. At the start, the Giving Square provides each child with a deck of 30 different organizations that have been pre-vetted either by the Catalog for Philanthropy, local community foundations, or large donors. In each of these decks, we talk about what is the budget size of the organization, we talk about the problem, their solution, and what the $1,000 would go for. So we try to break it down. And as our goal is really local nonprofits, one of the things we emphasize is Local nonprofits need money and resources and your ideas. Amy says that the Giving Square process helps kids identify themselves as philanthropists. The change we're really looking for is, are they demonstrating a philanthropic disposition by the end of the program? And so we look at changes in behaviors, changes in skills, tools, and changes in kind of intentions. So we're looking at all of these things and then pre- and post-testing for those. By the end of the program, basically all of the kids report feeling that they're an important part of their community. And Amy believes this helps kids see the power of their own philanthropic identity. This idea that every day you wake up and you see yourself as a philanthropist. This is the idea that every day you're thinking about how can you help somebody else? And it could be somebody in your family. It could be somebody next door. It could be a a big gesture. It could be a small gesture, but you as a person are a philanthropist. Much as you would have the identity of an athlete, you would also have an identity as a philanthropist. One striking thing about the program is that initially the kids view philanthropy as being limited to dollars and cents, but the program really pushes them to a different place. Kids can be philanthropic by using their brain. So if they're curious about homelessness, then research that. They can be philanthropic by speaking up. So you can influence your friends, you can influence your parents, but you can also speak up when there is an injustice that you see, um, using your ears to be good philanthropists. So there are many of many different ways that kids can be philanthropic. Researcher Alison Body agrees. She says when children define charity, it's a set of behaviors rooted in ideals of social justice, empathy, kindness, and compassion. Children didn't see a degree in difference in charitable behaviours. So actually being kind to the child at school who maybe was upset and you went and offered them friendship was seen as just as valuable as raising £500 for the local hospital. The most important thing kids can learn is that what they do can have an impact. The more that kids can experience that their ideas matter, their priorities, their concerns matter, and that it connects to the injustices they see around them, the more and more they're going to see that this is this is relevant to them. I think a lot of what we do is unleashing and helping kids see the power that they have. And so that's empathy for sure. It's the path, the capacity to really help others. And it's the, it's just the ability to influence people. So one thing we talk about is, so kids don't have a lot of assets. And so that's why just focusing on fundraising doesn't really validate what kids naturally have as resources, but they have a heck of an ability to influence others. Allison sees that push as a key way to have kids start to question the world around them and how best to contribute to society. We can encourage children to give to the food bank, But actually, when children start to get to that kind of middle childhood age, 
they want to know why the food bank exists. We can, the same with homelessness. We can give to homelessness, but actually children are then questioning, well, why does homelessness exist in our society? And what we found in our research was quite often those conversations were closed down. But when we encourage that giving to food banks without that critical curiosity or that giving to homelessness without that critical curiosity, we begin to normalise these ideas that actually homelessness or food poverty is something that's acceptable in our society and is something that charity deals with, rather than nurturing this idea that we should constantly be questioning this. Allison argues that debate is essential to building a future of engaged givers and philanthropists. I support the idea also that charity, social justice, philanthropy, they are contentious issues. And, and actually, we should be engaging in meaningful debate about them. And we should be engaging our children and young people. Let's give children and young people the tools to critically engage with that, to think about their citizenship, to think about what they owe to, the, to, to others, that fellow feeling to people within their community, both on a local scale, but on a global scale. And I think the COVID pandemic has exposed these inequalities and probably exposed that need more than anything else has. Without question, the pandemic has changed or at least heightened the conception of giving in so many ways. With such a massive shock to the world economy and social structures, there's been an increase in neighborly giving in mutual aid networks. And the overall definition of giving seems to be expanding. Here's Amy. At this moment in time, COVID is the ultimate, we all give, we all receive, we need each other moment. And so some of the, the our core teachings are just so obvious now. I think we need to validate both the small and the big of philanthropy and both the money and the the other myriad ways that we can contribute. When kids give me examples of giving and they talk about collecting things or donating money, that's one piece. But when you read that a kid has taught their brother how to read or sits with their dad with their dad when he's sad or helps the old lady pick up her tomatoes when she drops them at the grocery store, these are the pieces that we need to validate in kids. And I think probably adults too. So I think we need to really have a more holistic view of what philanthropy is, recognizing that money drives social change as well. So it is a piece of it, but it goes along with so many other things. Sheena agrees. COVID's been helpful in a way in which it has created more context and need for the kind of giving and philanthropy that is neighbor helping neighbor. So giving isn't just about the transfer of money. It really is about your time, talent, and treasure. And where they're not seeing me do that transfer of my treasure, they are seeing me do that transfer of my time, my interest, and my attention to the needs of people around me who are in need. And it's taught them something I think that is really critical is that we all have needs. And while it's hard to think about any silver linings of this pandemic, Sheena is really thinking long-term. I do think on the positive side that that in this area of giving, that there is a positive imprint generationally that the kids who are going through this COVID era are going to experience, that they have seen now and been exposed to the mutual care, the the neighbors coming together in support of each other. There is just such a more of a cohesive community experience and togetherness that just weren't there in the kind of neighborhoods that I live in now. 
where you waved at your neighbors in a polite way of saying hello, but now there is this, we really do need you. And my sons have seen that to a really great degree. What I want most of all is to have that kind of experience from this imprinted into their being so that they know, not even in times of crisis, but at all times, that we depend on our neighbors. And that to me is the true form of giving and philanthropy and generosity, that it's people helping people in whatever ways that they need that to happen. As always, we'll close with some key takeaways. Here are three things to remember. One, giving isn't just about the transfer of money. Kids don't have a lot of assets, so focusing on giving through social justice, empathy, kindness, compassion, allows children to understand the scale of their impact. Two, parents can have significant influence in their child's philanthropic identity and attitudes and behaviors towards giving. Children are more likely to give to charity as they grow older if their parents are actively and regularly giving. And three, engaging kids in the goals of giving is another way to build those philanthropic identities. Demonstrating that we're all givers and receivers may help to chart a course of lifelong philanthropy. So that's our show. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed, hit us up on iTunes with a rating and a review, and please subscribe. And tell your friends to subscribe, and their friends, 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 and their friends. Big thank you to Sheena Ashley, Allison Body, and Amy Negabauer. And a big thank you as well to producer Jacinth Jones. And of course, thanks as always to our sound editor, Riley Byrne from Podigy.co. That's P-O-D-I-G-Y dot C-O. This episode was produced with support from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Our music is by Moby. On behalf of the Critical Value team and my two kids who continue to be co-producers. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. I hope everyone knows now that giving to people is important. <laughs>